inspiration. You were there to help me out. You just saw the need and said, can I help you? We learn a lot from watching other horses and watching other riders. I'm Julie Goodnight, and thanks for listening to my podcast about horse training and equestrian sports. It's time for Ride On with Julie Goodnight. Since the last time we recorded, I've been busy enjoying the summer. I'm really sad to see the summer ending. Here in the mountains, we're already getting our winter clothes out. The nighttime temperatures are in the low 30s. I'm gearing up for a busy fall season with five trips over the next six weeks, including two trips to Ireland, which I'm super excited about. In next month's podcast, in fact, I'm going to be joined by my dear friend and protege, T. Cody. She's going with me to Ireland as my assistant. So we want to share what we hope are going to be some great stories from our adventures in Ireland. Um, We'll talk to you about the horses and the people there. She's also the proud new owner of a young Clydesdale Thoroughbred Cross, and she has been saving up a lot of great questions for me about training young horses and about relationship building with a new horse. So this should be a super fun conversation, something a little different for you guys. And you might actually hear, hear a whole different side of me than you've heard before. So be sure to tune in next month for that. In October, I'm going to Murfreesboro, Tennessee for the CHA International Conference. That's October 20th to 22nd. I'll be making presentations there to riding instructors, trainers, and barn managers, but this event is open to anyone, any horse enthusiast. Um, You can sign up to ride school horses and the lessons at that conference. makes it a unique and fun event, so check it out at cha.horse, and that's .horse instead of .com. After that, I head back to the Sea Lazy U Ranch for my final clinic of the year, and this will be the Horsemanship Immersion Program. This is a relatively new program for me. I initiated uh, this program last year, and this year we expanded it to a five-day program, so we wanted to include a little bit more trail riding up in the mountains, and we wanted to do a few more workshops, so we Switched to a five-day clinic there. It runs October 25th to 30th. Last time I checked, there were still a few openings in that, so you might want to contact U Ranch at clazyu.com. This is a five-day intensive horsemanship program. I really enjoy it because we get to go in-depth into a lot of my favorite subjects like horse behavior and horse training. And uh Gosh, after that clinic, that finishes out my travel year, so I will be ready for a break by then. And be sure to check out my Facebook group, Julie Goodnight's Five Pound Challenge. It's a community page where we talk a lot about exercise, fitness, health. We share success stories, and we support each other. It's fun, and it's inspiring, and you'll find it at facebook.com slash groups slash goodnightchallenge. Check it out. For more information on my clinics, horse expos, and riding vacations, please visit juliegoodnight.com slash events. And while you're there, be sure to check out my online training resources, memberships, and personalized coaching programs. Plus, we've got some innovative grooming tools, tack, bits, training equipment, and videos at shop.juliegoodnight.com. 
If you want the latest updates from me, sign up for my newsletter at juliegoodnight.com news. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Julie Goodnight. In this episode of my podcast, I'll talk about raising baby horses to be solid, reliable citizens in the herd. I'll discuss the most common mistakes people make with young horses, some do's and don'ts about foals, weanlings, and yearlings, what kinds of training you should and should not do with weanlings and yearlings, and how to create the ideal environment and give that young horse the enrichment it needs to make sure it fulfills its greatest potential and has the best life. Plus, in my What the Hey Q&A segment at the end of this show, I'll answer questions from listeners about a sensitive, reactive, and temperamental horse, a horse that tries to jump out of the round pen when being worked, appropriate expectations when training an older horse, plus how to prepare a horse to carry a parade flag. Before we get too far into the do's and don'ts of raising young horses and and what you can and should or shouldn't do with them, let's get some terminology straight. It can be a little bit confusing because there is a lot of slang terminology in the horse world and people aren't always familiar with the actual real meaning of words versus the slang. So just to be clear right up front, before I start talking about all these different young horses, it's important that you understand the specific age of horse I'm talking about. So when we talk about foals and weanlings, we're talking about horses in their first calendar year of life. I know everybody wants to celebrate the day their horse was born, but When it comes to gauging a horse's development, it doesn't matter the day he was born, but it does matter the calendar year that he was born. Most baby horses are born in the spring. That's when nature would have them born. And by the end of the year, they're they're weanlings. In other words, they're not dependent on the milk of the mare to survive. So foals tend to be... um, under six months of age. We generally wean foals between four and six months of age. So we call them foals when they're still on the mother, and we call them weanlings after that during their first year of life. So the horse uh, becomes a weanling anywhere between four and six months. And then in January 1st of the next year, regardless of when it was born, it becomes a yearling. That's the stage of life and the stage of development it's in. So we we gauge a horse's age by the calendar year. So yearlings are in their second calendar year of life. And sure, there's going to be a part of that year where the horse may only be eight, nine months old, uh, but it's still a yearling. And we, we are going to treat it as such. It's developing as such. And its its growth stages and behaviors um, are all that of a horse in its second calendar year of life, which is a yearling. So sometimes you'll hear the, the term long yearling, and a long yearling is in the fall of its second year of life. So a long yearling is going to be somewhere around 18 months of age, um, anywhere from, let's say, yeah, maybe 15 to 18 months of age. And um, so they're, they're at the end of their yearling year. And we often refer to long yearlings because 
that is about the earliest you would ever want to start training on a young horse. And that would be, of course, dependent on, you'd have to have a good reason for training on them that young. But for instance, race horses are often started as long yearlings. Horses that are bound for futurity competition will generally start their training as long yearlings. Horses being prepared for sales will start their training as long yearlings. Again, the age of a horse changes January 1st. The actual date of birth is irrelevant. We really focus on the distinct age of life. So another area of confusion and terminology with young horses is filly versus colt. And then we have slang meanings for colt. So obviously a filly is a female foal. A colt is a male foal. But we call them fillies and colts up until they're all three, four years of age. They're still considered juvenile at three, four years of age. So we are generally going to still refer to them as a filly or a colt. Now, slang terminology for colt also might mean that it is a horse of training age and it's being started under saddle. So in other words, we often refer to colt training. And we might say, oh, you know, in reference to that two or three-year-old that's just being started under saddle, we might call it a colt, meaning it's not an adult horse yet. This is not a big horse, you know, treat it like a colt. So colt training, um, often you'll hear a trainer say, you know, take that colt and go take it over there and do something with it. And he or she knows perfectly well it's a female horse, so don't get, don't think that um, you know something they don't. Um, they're using the slang term that refers to the stage of the horse's training. And then another term that you might hear is um, colt being used as a way to differentiate a gelding from a, a stud colt. And so sometimes we'll call them a stud colt, meaning it just has not yet been gelded. And sometimes we might just differentiate between geldings and colts, meaning um, gelded or ungelded. So you kind of have to consider the context. Those are all the different ways those terms might be used. It's just important that you remember when we talk about a horse's age, we're talking about the actual year of life and not the number of weeks and days and months they've been alive. And also keep in mind that Horses stay young for quite a while. Horses are not fully mature until they're seven, sometimes eight years of age. And they're, they're young juvenile horses up until then. And we often forget that because they get so big and they look like adult horses, but they're still quite young. Let's talk for a minute about some of the easiest mistakes to make when you're raising young horses. And some people might think it's weird to start with the mistakes you make, but the reason why I do is because this is the most important thing about raising young horses. When you make mistakes raising young horses, and hey, we're all going to make mistakes with horses. It's, it's inevitable, but the fewer you make, the better. And consider this, that very young horse is a totally clean slate that's untarnished in any way. It has no baggage. It's a learning machine that you can shape and develop into exactly what you want without putting 
undue stress on the horse. And some mistakes that you make that people commonly make will leave indelible marks on that horse throughout its training and potentially um, affect its success later on in life. It's really important to raise a young horse correctly. And most people that venture into it without much expert assistance or without much experience or knowledge, they all make the same mistakes. And that's why I want to start with um, look, taking a look at what the easiest mistakes to make are to make sure that you avoid them with your young horse. Hey, look, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about a foal, maybe you own the mare and this baby is uh, started at zero days of age. Maybe it's a horse that you acquired as a weanling or yearling. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to I'm going to differentiate um, later on as we get into the yearlings and two-year-olds. But um, consider this about um, anything from a foal to a weanling to a yearling. But most importantly, with that very, very young foal, um, one of the most common mistakes people make is simply overhandling them. They're messing with that foal all the time. It eventually loses interest in people. It definitely loses all deference to people. It can become dull, listless, and disdainful towards people. When you interfere too much between the relationship between a mare and the foal, you can, um, you know, just do damage there you don't want to do. Another really common mistake that people make uh, that are unaware of how important it is to treat young horses like young horses is that they inadvertently teach the young horse to move into pressure instead of to move away from pressure. Baby horses are extremely tactile. They love to be rubbed and scratched and petted. They love to be messed with. They're playful. And when you start petting and scratching and rubbing on young horses all the time, they start seeking it out. They start running up, bumping into you and leaning into you and pushing on you. And what happens is that process is that you end up teaching that baby horse that every time I touch you, you should move into and lean into the pressure. Now, consider this. Everything that we do in that horse's training for any kind of performance whatsoever, driving, riding, groundwork, everything we do with horses involves them moving away from pressure, not into pressure. Also, did you ever consider what it would be like to have a thousand pound horse running up to you and bumping into you? It doesn't make sense. So be very careful about that. If, you, if you've ever been around a rude dog that you're sitting in a chair, relaxing, having a nice beverage and that dog comes up behind you and takes his you know wet slimy nose and roots under your elbow and throws your hand into the air tossing your drink across a carpet just so you'll pet him but imagine a thousand pound horse doing something like that it's crazy so when we allow baby horses who are learning at a rapid rate more than they will at any other stage of life and you start teaching them things like, it's okay to bump into me. It's okay to crowd me. It's okay to put your mouth on me. It's okay to, um, for me to make you pet me. It's okay for me to lean into the pressure. 
Um, there's a lot of bad things that the baby horse learns, not the least of which is inappropriate boundaries. I'll tell you a funny story. I had a client a long time ago. It's just just a young green trainer. And I had clients that lived nearby and I would train their horses for them occasionally. And I had just stopped by to check in on them and see how their horses were doing. And they had just adopted an orphan foal. And it was, a I don't know, it was a weanling. I don't remember how old it was, but it wasn't a baby baby, but it was maybe four, five months old. And they were so proud of this baby horse. They were very novice, very novice horse owners. And they had only worked with broke, older horses before. And they were so proud of this horse. It was turned out when I got there. And they said, oh, watch this. You won't believe this. And they whistle for this colt. And we're standing in the pen. And this horse, I kid you not, this four, six-month-old colt weighs, I don't know, three, four, 500 pounds. I'm not sure. Maybe three or 400 pounds. He comes running at a dead run straight towards us. At the last second, he slammed on the brakes, spun his butt to us, and backed into us. And then the owner started scratching his rear end as he backed into them. Now, think about what you just taught that horse to do. Think about all the different things that are wrong with that. And think about a thousand pound horse doing that. I would never ever, ever, ever want to encourage such behavior. So that's what I mean by inappropriate boundaries and overhandling. Also, all young horses are mouthy. They're going to be mouthy for a long time. Their tactile sense, their sense of smell, and their sense of taste. So three of their five senses are in the mouth area. And young horses are all about exploring the world and learning as much as they can about everything. And they explore the world with their mouth. They also, you know, it relates to dominance issues. It relates to communication. It relates to so many things. And when you allow a young horse to put his mouth and lips on you, you may think it's cute before he has teeth, or you may think it's cute when he's, you know, an adorable little baby, but you're setting up a dynamic that's going to come back to haunt you later. Mouthiness in horses, young horses, is a problem anyway. You never want to do anything to encourage it. And so when you blur those boundaries and you allow that young horse to snuggle up to you and lean on you and push on you and put his mouth on you, you're setting precedents that are going to be very difficult to break later on in the horse's life. Another common mistake people make raising young horses is they just, again, it relates to overhandling. And they start saying, oh, well, I want to teach my horse to, you know, get used to fly spray, to get used to this, to get to these, yeah, I'm going to put a saddle pad on a blanket and I'm going to do this. The more I get him used to, the better. And then the next thing you know, that horse is so completely desensitized that it won't respond to anything. So when I go to teach that horse a light cue to step sideways, to back up, to come, to do anything that I'm going to do later in its life, it's already been desensitized to any kind of sensation. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later when we talk about specific training that you want to do. Just keep in mind, we don't want the horse so desensitized that it is dull and unresponsive. 
Also, overhandling might lead to teaching a horse to lean on you, to brace against you, to pull on you. Um, horses, even baby horses are bigger than us. They're, they're smaller than us for a very, very short time. And pretty soon they're out-muscling us, outweighing us. And so we never want to develop a horse that's going to be leaning, pulling, pushing, bracing, um, all those kind of things. And, and that can easily come with overhandling a young horse. I think it's really important to let young horses be horses first. I'm going to talk about that repeatedly. I think that we people often expect too much too soon from a young horse. And we really have to honor its, honor its behavior and its species and honor our obligation to the horse and let it be a horse first uh, before it becomes a human entertainment device. Remember, these babies are a totally clean slate. Horses of all age are exceptionally fast learning, but young horses are learning faster than they are at any other stage of life. And that includes good things and bad things. And that's why it's so critical not to make mistakes if you are raising a young horse, not to make avoidable mistakes. First impressions matter a lot with young horses. They're such from, you know, really within an hour of birth, they're exploring their world and learning, 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 learning. And we want to make sure that they learn the most productive things and that they never learn the negative things. Did you know that most horse trainers, myself included, would way prefer to have a young horse that has never been handled than one that has had too much handling? Any trainer you talk to that has trained young horses has been through this, and we know that undoing things that horses have learned and undoing mistakes people make is way harder than teaching things right to begin with. And we also know that there are some things that just simply cannot be unlearned and you cannot erase from a horse's memory. So keep that in mind as we go on and talk about more specifics in terms of um, raising foals and weanlings. So you might already have a good, really good idea of where I'm headed with on this whole subject. And I just want to share with you um, some things I would do and not do with young horses. And first of all, don't rub and pet and scratch on them. Yes, you want to make friends with the horse. Yes, you want to give it a little bit of friendly affection. But again, as I said, if you start rubbing and scratching the horse, first he'll start leaning into you. Um, then that colt will start becoming very demanding, pushing on you, demanding your attention. And just like that orphan foal I was telling you about that learned to run straight towards you, slam on the brakes, turn his butt into you and back up. Um, that's the kind of stuff that they start doing. And you you end up in a, a place of very quickly diminishing returns with that horse. So always maintain respect for each other's boundaries. Don't get too familiar with that colt. Don't let that colt get too familiar with you. Remember, familiarity breeds contempt. I want to keep my relationship with that young foal very friendly. I, of course, want him to not, not just not be afraid of people, but come to think of people as a great thing in his life. 
I just don't want him to be so in his face and that he doesn't think I'm a great thing, that he takes me for granted or worse, he becomes disdainful and like, I'm sick of her. So I want to always keep that cult wanting more. And that means don't ever do it with him. So I, I, you know, definitely am not going to kiss and snuggle and play with his mouth. Never allow a horse of any age, but especially a young horse to put its lips on you. Even a baby foal. Look, they put their lips on everything. Just don't let them do it. Just gently, if it's a really young baby, I just gently push the muzzle away and say, no, no, little baby, that's a boundary we don't do. You put your mouth on your mother, but don't put it on me. Um, So as that foal gets a little older, he's going to get a little pushier and a little, take a little bit more pressure. I might, you know, thump a finger at him or give him a little poke in the nose and just say, no, that's a line you cannot cross. And also to, to not lure him into making mistakes, I'm not going to mess with his mouth and head. I'm going to stay away from it, leave it alone. And, and keep a real clear boundary. And don't be afraid to tell other people to leave your baby alone. And, um, you know, you take control of that horse and, and how he is interacting with people. I would never personally um, tie a foal or a weanling hard and fast. There's no good reason to. Their necks and heads really aren't strong enough to be tied up yet. Um, and, and most importantly, there's plenty of time to do that later. But I wouldn't just wouldn't want to take a chance of something happening, uh, a big startle or the, something tripping and falling down and that little horse pulling on, on a, and throwing his neck out or something. I just don't see the benefit. There's going to be plenty, plenty, plenty of time to teach the horse to tie later. And in their first year of life, they really just need to be babies and um, they need to be highly, highly protected at that age. Again, as I said, you know, I I just can't emphasize how important it is to, to let a youngster learn how to be a horse first. There's plenty of time for training him to do human bidding later because we've really got, you know, two, three years before the horse can Um, handle very much training. So, and when we do get to under saddle training, keep this in mind, when you get to under saddle training on that two or three year old, it goes really fast. There's no need to rush it. Allow a horse to be a young horse and learn how to be a horse first. If you do do small training sessions with that horse. Like, you know, know, at some point you want to teach it to lead. At some point you want to teach it every now and then you're going to have to stand still for a few minutes. Um, There's a few things you're going to teach the horse, but make sure any training that you do on a young horse, and by the way, I'm talking about a weanling, not a foal. Make sure any training that you do is very fun and very short, five minutes at the most, and it should be highly entertaining to the baby. In other, in other words, just something new and stimulating, um, not drudgery. Minimize as much stress as you can on foals and weanlings. Research shows us that up to 90% of foals and weanlings have ulcers, primarily caused by stress and dietary changes. So we want to do absolutely everything that we can to minimize the stress of a young horse. 
And that certainly, first and foremost, includes not training on them. So young foals before weanling, um, from, from day of birth to weaning, can be handled easily just physically by kind of hugging them with your arms, holding one arm around the shoulder and the other arm around its butt. You can pretty much manhandle a foal in that way. You can contain them, hold them still if you need to, you know, do something with the mother or, or whatever. And so we don't ever want to set up a scenario where we're pulling on a young uh, baby horse's head like he's getting wild. Like, let's say there's some reason. Well, when we picked up Remington because of the wildfires, he was only a month old and wasn't really, uh, hadn't really been haltered much and led or anything like that, but he had to be transported in a trailer with his mother. So you would probably go ahead and put a halter and lead rope on and you, but you wouldn't try to lead it or contain it with the halter and lead rope because it's going to struggle and pull and say, no, I don't want to get in that trailer. or No, I don't want to go away from here. Um, or just leave me alone. So I wouldn't want to set up a scenario where it was pulling and struggling and I was the only way I could hold on to it would be that halter lead rope because it could hurt his neck. So we generally are going to handle those young horses manually uh, by hugging them around the shoulder and butt and when you need to move them or contain them or hold them. If you need to lead them, you can use a light halter and lead, but use a butt rope um, so you're not pulling on the head and neck. And, you, you know, you, you do want to handle young horses enough that you can manage them. And what if, you know, the mare needs some treatment from a vet? Maybe the mare is going back to a stallion to be bred. Maybe um, somebody needs doctoring. Maybe that foal needs some medication. You're going to have your vet out to examine that foal and um, check in for this or that. So, you do want to have enough handling that um, you can contain that foal and move them around as you need to. But um, one, one great point of interest I've discovered in, recently in research, I've actually known this trend for a while, but there's just been some recent research that verifies it. It shows us that the greatest influence over a foal's behavior and temperament is the mare. And that should come as no surprise to any people that have bred horses. But the recent research shows us that this is true of recipient mares as well. And in other words, recipient mares are mares who have had an embryo from another mare, a fertilized embryo, transplanted into their womb, and they become pregnant with another horse's baby. That's called a recipient mare. It's very common today. And the research shows us that even when that mare raises a foal that has zero genetic relationship to her, the foal still acts like her. So the mare, e even if it's not related by DNA, is the strongest, greatest influence over the foal, meaning that if it's a flighty mare, it's probably going to be a flighty foal. If it's a brave and calm, easy to handle mare, it's probably going to be a brave and calm and easy to manage foal. And that has uh, led people to seek out those uh, calm, gentle mares uh, for recipient mares. And 
it's just kind of an interesting thing. So we want to keep in mind that um, when that horse is a baby, that mare is, is, is its greatest influence. Um, so hopefully you've chosen wisely and um, the mother of your foal is a great mother. Let's talk a minute. Speaking of great mothers, let's talk about weaning foals. This is always a subject that comes up if you're if you own the mare, or maybe you've purchased the foal upon weaning. Um, there's you know a lot of different scenarios that could happen here, but whether you own the mare or not, um, there's a lot of different ways weaning is done, and there's no right way or wrong way. Um, well, I, I guess that's not really true. To me, the right way is the least amount of stress on the foal. And yeah, the mare may or may not be upset for her a little bit, but she's older and she's mature and she's stable and she's going to get over it. Um, we know that foals already uh, endure a lot of stress. So we want everything that we do with weaning tends to have to do with having the least amount of stress on the foal. So a really popular way on breeding farms is you keep all the broodmares together in a big pasture with their foals and they've lived like that for you know three four five months together and they do a lot of cooperative parenting and then when as the foals become weaning age you just one by one take the mares out and so first one mare disappears and that foal feels quite comfortable because all his little baby friends are there and all the other mothers are still there looking after him. And then you take the next mare out and so on and so forth until you have eventually nothing left but a pen full of foals. And unfortunately, not everybody has that kind of situation with a bunch of broodmares and foals. For me, I personally feel like cold turkey, out of sight, out of mind, weaning is the best. I make sure I have introduced that foal into a herd that has um, a good uncle horse in there that's going to protect the foal. He already is comfortable with those horses. He's already that that foal is already familiar with the place he's living and the horses in the herd, and he feels comfortable with them. I obviously have already made sure that he has a really good diet and he's well established on that diet before weaning. You want to work with your veterinarian on that and you want to, or a qualified equine nutritionist. Every part of the country is different in nutritional requirements. Uh, the diet of a young horse is critical. So before weaning, you want to make sure that you've got that well worked out. And um, again, I, I like the cold turkey method. There's going to be just a few moments of upset as long as the horses are out of sight and out of hearing range. So often that means we have to load that mare up in a trailer and um, whisk her away. And that, that foal might, you know, cry for a few minutes, maybe an hour, but pretty soon he's going to be get, get busy carrying on with life. When you try to do these things gradually and the mare is still within sight or most importantly, not within hearing distance, um, that tends to drag things out forever and ever and ever. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of um, upset horses on both ends. When we weaned at Remington uh, last year, we had it all planned out and we wanted to get him weaned early because the mare needed to go back to the herd and, and go back in training. 
And we didn't want to um, keep taking care of that Clydesdale mare. So we made a plan where the ranch would come to get the mare. They would bring her best friend in the trailer with them. We would, uh, at the normal time of day, Remington and his mother went to join the rest of the herd for their for the day's turnout. We haltered the mare, haltered Remington as normal. We walked them towards the turnout. The mare took a left turn and jumped in the trailer right when Remington took a right turn and went into the pen with all his friends to play. They drove off immediately. There was not a single knicker. It was almost as if Remington didn't notice his mother left. And then the uncle horses that were with him, of course, immediately took him under their wing and started vying for his attention. So it was a perfect distraction. So that's the kind of thing you want to do. Again, you just want to make sure that the horse is well-established in a diet. You want to make sure that he is already socialized into a herd. And also that there are horses within that herd that are going to protect him. It's important to have what we call an uncle horse. It might be a gelding. It might be a mare. But it's generally referred to as an uncle horse. The uncle horses are those horses that get along with any horse. No horse can really boss them around and push them around. But they're very kind and gentle with all other horses. Uncle horses will tend to take care of young horses and take care of the omega horses in your, your herd. So you want to make sure you have already have an uncle horse lined up. If you can, you've already introduced the colt to that uncle horse. And also keep in mind, young horses do a lot of playing and roughhousing and running around. Young male horses like to spar. So you want to have some youthful horses for that colt to play with uh, as a weanling. If you have nothing but geriatric horses, that's going to kind of be a recipe for disaster because that weanling's going to want to be romping around, jumping up in the air, rearing and kicking and carrying on, biting and running. And the older horses are going to be grumpy about that. So try to find a suitable playmate for your horse so that your horse can socialize normally in a herd and have some fun with some young horses. Also, young horses learn a lot from observing what other horses do. So one thing I do want to do with weanlings and yearlings, and, and maybe to an extent even with a foal, is to allow them to be around and observe what you do with the mature horses. So for instance, when the farrier's there, get that foal out, let him stand there, let him, you know, listen to the forge and smell the farrier and get to know him. When you're saddling and grooming the mature horses, let your young horses be around some. They, they, horses is a proven fact of science that horses learn by observing other horses, and that includes under saddle training. So we do want to allow passive observation, and we want to make sure that young horse is socialized properly by other horses so he learns uh, to be respectful and to um, respect the boundaries of other horses. It's also important when we think about weanlings taking them away from their mother, and also, of course, with young foals, is to have a safe facility um, that's suitable for nosy and curious babies that get into everything. We like solid fences. We 
Um, want to make sure there's uh, plenty of space, that there's a lot of cushioning to the ground. They, they take a lot of naps. They like to lay down in the sun. We also want to make sure that that young horse of weaning age that you're putting in with older horses without the protection of his mother, make sure that young horse has a safe space to get away from the older horses. Maybe you want to allow that little baby horse to have its sort of own little crib, if you will, and a place where it can get away from horses to eat and sleep, but right in the same proximity as the other horse. So maybe you just got a little place paneled off for him. Keep in mind that young horses do lay down and sleep all the time. They often do it next to a fence, and because of their size, they can easily wake up on the other side of the fence. So when we talk about safe facilities for foals, we want to keep in mind that they're going to lay down next to the fence and hopefully not get underneath it and wake up on the other side. So again, if you're putting them in a stall or whatever, make sure it has a nice solid wall, plenty of cushioning, and they're not going to get caught up on something. Weanlings are still babies. You know, if you think about weaning that young horse somewhere between four to six months of age, they're not ready for training yet. You know, that's like equivalent to an 18-month-old baby human. Yeah, sure, you're going to make sure they don't learn unsafe behavior and they don't bite other toddlers and that kind of stuff. But they're not ready for training. And baby foals are not there for human entertainment. So keep in mind, again, that mistakes you make at this stage of life will have long-lasting impressions on that young horse. So let the horses do the training. Let the horses do the socializing. Let that young horse romp and play and just be in a safe environment and learn how to be a horse first. Definitely want to support good manners. Definitely want to avoid mouthiness and teach proper boundaries and make sure that young horse is moving away from pressure and not into pressure. Also with those young uh, horses, foals, and weanlings, it's good to provide novel stimuli for them. In other words, put things in their environment that are new and interesting. If you've got that horse in a boring old pen and there's no grass, there's no this, there's no that, throw a beach ball in there one day. Next day, you know, next week, put a streamer or get a, you know, bubble machine. I don't know. I can't, I'm just trying to think of stuff. But provide novel stimuli that that young horse can learn bravery from and, and that will bring out the curiosity in that young horse. There have been some studies with police horses that were bred and raised to be police horses. And one thing that they discovered is when they raise those young horses to be police horses, they're not going to start their training, of course, until they're you know, long yearlings or two years old, but they can teach bravery and curiosity by simply putting novel stimuli in their pens and teaching that horse to approach it. I mean, the horse learns it all on their own. So, you know, just every now and then provide something new and interesting to that baby. In fact, just today, um, Melissa's little weanling colt was here and I was carrying something back from the office and I had, I had this funny thing in my hand also with a piece of paper and I went up to say hello to him. Well, he just thought that piece of paper was the most interesting thing he had ever seen. So I let him take one little look at it and then I turned around and I walked away. 
before he got uninterested in it. And that's the kind of approach you want to take where you just offer a little bit of something new and interesting. And then you kind of just take it away from them after they explore it. And then you save it for later. Maybe you bring it out later. And that keeps the curiosity up. And as we develop a horse's curiosity, we're also developing its bravery. So that's a, a great thing that you can do with a young horse without causing any undue stress on them. Horses grow faster in their first year of life than at any other time. You can almost see them growing before your very eyes. As soon as you buy a foal halter, they'll grow out of it and you'll buy a weanling halter. As soon as you buy a weanling halter, they'll be in it about a month before they grow out of that and they need a yearling halter. It'll be way too big when you first use it. And then within a few months, they'll be growing out of that yearling halter. So they grow really fast here during this first year of life. So you want to do everything you can to promote quality growth and good mental health. So you want to make sure they're on a perfect nutritional program, not too much, not too little, all the right supplements and um, minerals and all of that. Make sure their stress is kept absolutely as minimal as possible, that they are in a safe, comfortable facility and surrounded by horses that are taking care of them, that are kind to them, but that also will discipline them when needed and not let them get too rowdy and rambunctious. All right, enough about weanlings. Let's talk for a minute about yearlings and two-year-olds. You know, again, I mentioned that we don't we don't go by the horse's date of birth. That's somewhat irrelevant. We go by the year of life, the calendar year of life, because you know, for in that first year of life, first they were a baby foal and then they became a weanling and now they're starting to be more and more independent. And then magically, somewhere in the middle of that winter of their first year, they become yearlings and yearlings are quite different from weanlings. We can, uh, knowledgeable people can simply look at a weanling, a yearling, or a two-year-old, and really even a three- or four-year-old. And we know exactly what, what age they are by their body shape and by their development. And so as a horse, so, you know, really magically, we're going to call it January 1st, that, that horse becomes a yearling, and, and they are entering a different stage of life. They are still growing rapidly. They are still learning at a rapid, rapid pace. But the growing will slow down just a little bit as a yearling, and they're still going to grow almost before your eyes. But by the end of the yearling year, they've, they've actually reached something along the lines of 80 or 90% of their growth. So those first two years are, are when the majority of the growth happens, but then we see slow maturity um, as two, three, and four-year-olds, even as five-year-olds, you, you really see that horse become fully mature as about a seven or eight-year-old, and they have a different look to them sort of at each stage. So one of the big questions we have then after weaning is if you have a little stud colt, what point are you going to geld him? Obviously, that's going to be a decision you will make with your veterinarian. In my experience, you know, every vet kind of has their their personal opinion on that. And they're my vet because I respect their opinion. 
Of course, as a professional, in my opinion, might carry a little bit of weight. I prefer to geld colts as yearlings, not as weanlings, but I would just go with what your vet recommends. As a yearling, we can start thinking about introducing tying now. They're definitely going to be more physically developed, have a lot more strength and less fragility in their head and neck. So um, now's the time to start introducing tying that horse up. Make absolutely certain you have a safe and comfortable place to tie that young horse. It's shaded. You have a safe way to tie. You're using some kind of safe clip. Um, I, I am not a fan of using a breakaway because the last thing we want that young horse to learn to do is pull and break something. So I'm generally going to use a rope halter and uh, we'll use, I like the safe clip because it will give a slow release if that horse pulls back or gets in trouble. But the rope halter is going to deter him from pulling too much on it. We want to introduce tying slowly at first. And always have other horses around to keep him company. Don't make it more miserable than it has to be. The main objective is that that horse learns that sometimes, for the rest of your life, you're going to have to stand patiently tied. And that's why we call it the patient's post. And so no young horse just says, oh, okay, I'll stand here the rest of my life and never complain about it. They're going to fuss and they might be compliant at first because that's what all the other horses are doing. But at some point, it's going to get tiresome and they're going to say, I don't like this. And they're going to start fussing around and pulling and stomping. Just make sure you never untie that young horse when he's acting like that. And you always untie them and put them away when they're acting very patient and calm. And gradually increase the amount of time that you tie that young horse. Hopefully, if you do this over their yearling year pretty regularly, never leave that yearling tied up unsupervised and always make sure he's entirely comfortable with shade, um, fly spray, uh, a nice ground covering, cushioning, whatever, um, and safely tied, preferably in the company of other horses that are very well behaved and just gradually increase the amount of time that he spends there. But at some point, you're going to have to push past his voluntary willingness to stand to the point where he kind of fusses about it a little bit and then gets over it. So that's something you've got an entire year to work on with that horse and do it incrementally, uh, but do it a lot. I'm also going to introduce trailer loading and trailering to the horse as a yearling, little by little, always in the company of other horses, um, we're going to work on loading. We're going to work on feeding that horse in the trailer. So the trailer's a happy place to him. And then eventually we're going to take him on some small trips with older horses, just so he gets the idea that sometimes we're going to go other places. And this is how we get there. Mel's trailers, her weanling back and forth uh, down the road. She only lives about a half a mile away. And she brings her older horses here for riding and in the arenas, and she doesn't want to leave the weanling at home by itself because that would be stressful. So she just lets him come in the trailer with the older horses. Well, he just thinks they're all, it's like a dog going in the car for a hike. You know, he thinks that that's 
the fun thing to do and in that he thinks he wants to go. He doesn't want to be the one left behind. So that little horse is learning to trailer and riding a trailer and loading a trailer. And he's learning that sometimes we go to new places and have new experiences. Again, we're still working very, very hard to minimize the stress on that young horse. You're not going to take him on expeditions or anything, and you're not going to take him by himself or anything like that. Uh, But it's a good time to just start introducing that young horse to the trailer. You never know when you're going to have to trailer a horse in the case of an emergency. So the sooner we get that horse uh, comfortable in the trailer, the better. For that yearling, definitely we want to be starting on our lead line leadership training. One of my most popular training videos is is called that, lead line leadership. It's about um, developing perfect manners of that horse on the lead line, walking beside you, trotting beside you, rating your speed, keeping a safe distance, working on both sides, backing up, standing still all that kind of stuff. But the one thing that you should always avoid with a yearling is any kind of circling work. So we don't circle them on the lead line. We don't lunge them. We don't work them in the round pen uh, because circling work is very stressful on the joints of horses. And a young horse at this age, their joints are still underdeveloped. They are growing at such a rapid rate that their joints are not fully developed yet. And excessive small circling can actually do arthritic damage to that young horse's joints. Um, So another reason why we put our young horses on a joint health supplement right away, because research has shown us that cosequin actually reduces the chance of arthritis setting in and reduces the chance of damage in joints ahead of time. So we know that young horse soon enough is going to be in hard training. Um, So we start that cosequin early in a horse's life. Another thing you can do with yearlings throughout the whole year, you don't have to do this stuff all at once, but little by little, start desensitizing that yearling to practical things in your world. Getting a bath. Get used to the water hose. Get used to the fly spray. Maybe you want that horse to get used to clippers. Maybe we want to get used to having ropes around it, ropes dangling off its legs, um, ropes over its back or whatever. I'm not a big fan of sacking out, which is um, a term used for taking a, a sack. Originally, it was done with a burlap sack. That's why it was called sacking out. But sometimes people use burlap or they use saddle pads or tarps and they just start draping it, pushing it, and shaking it all over the horse. To me, that can just dull a horse out to any sensation. And remember, training is not just about desensitizing a horse. It's also about sensitizing a horse to cues, to directives, to communications. And over-desensitizing or over-sacking a horse can definitely make it dull and non-responsive. So I I do not do that with yearlings, but the practical things in their world, again, like a water hose, fly spray, robe, stuff like that, I think it's great to start desensitizing your horse too. But do not even think about saddling or putting a bit in your yearling's mouth until they're two years old. That under saddle training is rapid. It goes rapidly. You don't need to do that to a baby. 
this horse, soon enough, his life is going to be training. Let him be a baby and leave him alone. No good can come of saddling or bridling a horse too soon. So just don't even think about it. Do all the practical things first. Remember that mouthiness and boundaries are going to be even more important for a yearling. Yearling horses start getting a little cocky, the stud colts especially. They start thinking they're sort of the cat's meow and they can do whatever they want. They start exploring boundaries to see what they can get away with and what they can't. That's when your uncle horses are going to come in real handy because they're going to put them in their place when they start getting cocky. But don't let that happen to you. Make sure you keep very appropriate and respectful boundaries between you and that yearling, especially if it's a stud colt. Make sure filly or colt, you discourage mouthiness. They can explore the world with their mouth on everything else, just not on you. So uh, be proactive on that. You know, I worked with a horse, a very sad story, but this horse was acquired as a weanling. And the owner made every mistake that could be made, including not establishing boundaries and including doing too much handling with the horse at a young age. She started taking it on hikes with a lead line when it was just a weanling and yearling. And then she would let it stop and eat whenever it wanted. Pretty soon that colt learned to pull on the rope when it wanted to eat and drag her over to the grass Next thing you knew, it was pulling loose from her and running to the grass by itself. Ultimately, as a two-year-old, this colt actually attacked its owner, stomped her in the ground, tried to kill her when she was asking it to do something it didn't want to do. By the time I came on the scene, this horse had actually tried that twice with her, put her in the hospital twice, and she was unable to handle the horse anymore. The horse was dangerous. And all of this could have been avoided had the horse just been handled appropriately as a youngster. Yeah, it was a little bit of a cocky horse, and yes, it was a little headstrong, but I've trained plenty of horses like that 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 become great, solid citizen horses. Um, This horse was definitely a product of and a victim of poor handling, which ultimately result in its euthanization because it was dangerous. I can handle the horse, an expert can handle the horse, but he he was deemed too dangerous for anyone less than the utmost expert. And so a lot, a lot of bad can come from making these kinds of mistakes with horses and trying to train them too early. Wait until they're of suitable training age so you don't make those mistakes. Depending on the horse's size and maturity and depending on its future career path, you may be able to start the most basic of undersaddle training as a long yearling, but these would be just the most basic first steps of training. Get them used to a surcingle, get them used to a saddle, maybe start mounting them. Um, but you're not really going to be bridling or bidding them. Um, You might get them a little bit used to round pin riding, but this is primarily going to be if you have a good reason. You know, racehorses are generally started as long yearlings. Horses that are going to be shown as a three-year-old in a futurity are generally started as a long yearling, Uh, but for the rest of us, it's far better to wait I prefer to start a horse in the fall of its two-year-old year 
I'll let him have all that time to grow up and develop and learn good ground manners. As he enters his two-year-old year, I can start doing more serious work with the horse. I can start circling him in a round pen. I can start circling him on the lead line. I can start thinking about putting a saddle on him, putting a bridle on him, letting him slowly get used to these things. But I wouldn't really start seriously riding him until the fall of his two-year-old year. People that haven't been around a lot of young horses might not understand that there's a huge difference between a weanling and a yearling. There is also a huge difference between a yearling and a two-year-old, and again, between a two-year-old and a three-year-old. Most trainers, maybe, you know, like for me, I first started training horses 40 years ago, and we routinely started horses in the spring of their two-year-old year, no matter what. That was just what you did. I learned uh, first that skittish, more skittish, high-strung horses like Arabians and Thoroughbreds would do infinitely better starting a year later than as a two-year-old. And then I learned again that the difference between starting those horses as three-year-olds instead of two-year-olds and even four-year-olds was significant because they were more mature. They had learned to manage life better. They had learned to cope with stress better. So you will find that that horse started very early does not stay ahead of horses that are started later in life. In fact, those horses started later as two-year-olds and three-year-olds catch up really fast and surpass horses started younger uh, because they're more mature and they're able to handle the training physically better and they're able to handle the stress of training better. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about getting in too big a hurry with a young horse. And one final thought I'll leave you with is that don't let training become a drudgery to that young horse any sooner than it has to. Eventually, he's going to reach a stage in life where maybe he goes to a professional trainer or maybe he's getting ridden hard every day and getting prepared for a show or whatever. At some point, riding is going to become a job to that horse. So as long as we can keep their training fun and interesting and stimulating, so you're doing different things with the horse, you're giving them novel experiences, you're not overstressing them physically, try to keep that brightness in that young horse as long as you can. Young horses should be happy and eager for an adventure, not dreading the approach of a human and not dreading training. So try to maintain that as long as you can. Try to make youth last as long as you can. You know what? Just like you would for your own child. You don't want them to grow up any sooner than they have to. And now it's time for my favorite segment, What the Hey Q&A. Each month we pick a few unique questions from our listeners and answer them on the air. If you'd like to submit a written question for What the Hay, please go to my Facebook page at Julie Goodnight Horsemanship or email podcast at juliegoodnight.com. By the way, we keep all your questions in a queue, dropping off only the ones I've already answered. So even if I've not answered your question yet, I hope to get to it soon, or maybe I'll turn your question into the main topic of a future podcast, which I've been known to do. So stay tuned. First, I have a thank you message to read you from Jill for answering her question about her tantruming six-year-old mare 
after she watched the Daily Dose video with Woodrow called Rating Speed and Handling the Emotional Horse. I answered her question in last month's podcast, and this is her response. She said, Julie, you are so awesome. This is Jill, the owner of the Emotional Mare you talked about in August, What the Hey Q&A. I had no idea anyone would see that comment on the video. I'm glad you did, and thanks for a great response. So thank you, Jill. Thank you for uh, tuning in and leaving a comment, and thanks for offering that great question. So our first question today comes from Tiffany via Facebook Messenger. This has been edited slightly for clarity. And she says, I'm having issues with a horse that I have with his ground manners training. And I'm wondering if you can help. I try to free lunge him in the round pen and he tries to jump the gate. If I put a rope on him, he pulls his head away until he gets his butt turned towards me. He's very strong-willed and pushy. Do you have any advice? Why, yes, I do. Um, You know, your horse is clearly telegraphing the message that he chooses not to be with you. He's leaving and he's going to go to any length he can to leave you. This is really sort of the whole point of what we're doing in the round pen. When we think talk about that horse hooking on to us or joining up, what we're doing is causing, uh, by manipulating the horse in the round pen, we're ultimately causing the horse to choose to be with us and to accept our authority and leadership and to choose to follow us. And so your horse is not even entertaining the thought of any of that. He's telegraphing to you, I want out of here. I want nothing to do with you. And I want nothing to do with being in this pen. Now, let me just say right here, that might not be, I wouldn't take that too personally. And someone may have messed this horse up in the round pen because sometimes people put horses in round pens and just start relentlessly chasing them around because they don't know what they're doing. The round pen can become a a real boilerplate, a real pressure cooker to a horse. It's a it's an extreme amount of confinement, and then we start chasing them away. So some horses just naturally will be intolerant of that kind of confinement and pressure. Some horses have learned through past bad experience that they want nothing to do with being in there. And some horses just, um, you know, are saying, hey, uh, you know, up yours. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm leaving. So. That's what you've got. I, I would, uh, I would, I have a little bit of concern about that. When you put a lead on him, he turns his butt to you and tries to get away. That's really bad behavior that he has learned. And it's, um, you know, some of the worst behavior a horse can learn. So I would be willing to guess there are other leadership problems that you have with this horse. So I'd be looking for other areas of disobedience and um, try to understand why this horse is unaccepting of your authority. Um, this, this behavior of leaving you and, and getting away from you at any cost will tend to escalate. Um, if he's only doing it in the round pen, you might want to think about just not doing the round pen. But I would be very cautious of that because I have a feeling this is happening in other places as well. Um, you're just you're just coming to notice it in the round pen. So this kind of behavior tends to escalate unless and until it is resolved. So we have to look uh, look at how to fix it. Um, 
there's um, a lot I cannot know about why the horse is acting this way without without actually watching it and seeing um, the horse's behavior and your interaction with the horse, making sure that there's not something you're doing that's causing this kind of behavior. Again, horses can become very frustrated and feel a high degree of pressure in the round pen if if they don't understand what's being done in there. So, um, y- you know, there's a lot of information I would need to really uh, tell you exactly what you need to do. But um, one thing for certain is when you are working a horse in a round pen and he's trying to jump out, if it's just the gate he's trying to jump out of, well, then that's easy. Just plant someone outside the gate with a flag and have them, you know, pick the flag up and wave and scream and holler at the horse every time he looks at that gate. Um, we had a horse. We had one of uh, my most memorable episodes of Horse Master was, uh, gosh, it was early on in in the eleven year history of filming Horse Master, the TV show, and it was a big, warm blooded horse that was uh, at one time actually a pretty decent performance horse. It was a eventer, I believe, and it had developed really bad behaviors. It was bucking riders off and it was, had, had developed bad ground manners. And so we were going back to basics with this horse. And so we put it, I wanted to put him in the round pen. Well, the only round pen they had at this fancy English barn was made with three rail PVC pipe, PVC fence, which is not, uh, you know, it's flexible and it gives, it's kind of like having a, you know, trampoline for a barrier and it's also was very low and this horse was huge and a three you know a three rail pvc fence only comes up about three four feet and you want you know a round pen fence should be five or six feet tall at least so this horse just would jump out anytime you put the slightest amount of pressure on of course he was a trained jumper so it wasn't very hard um so what we had to do we had no other round pen to use so we had to just station people all the way around the round pen with flags and they would just, you know, like a synchronized uh, fan club, they would start waving their flag every time the horse came around. So he, he figured out pretty quickly we weren't going to let him get away with jumping. So that's uh, one, one little simple thing to think about. Another thing I would encourage you to do if it's just happening, if the horse is only trying to leave through the gate, one little really simple exercise you could do with that horse is go in the round pen with him and you just stand at the gate, take a flag or a whip or a lariat, something in your hands to shush him away with, and just claim the gate as your territory. If he thinks of the gate as the only way to leave there, he's going to try to get out it or get towards it. And every time he comes towards the gate, chase him away from the gate, say, no, this is my gate, and then just go hang out at the gate. And wait until the horse quits trying to come to the gate. And at that point, he he has relinquished that territory to you. So it's a nice little easy, subtle way to kind of gain that territory back. But in terms of just working the horse properly in the round pen, you should be driving that horse forward, keeping it moving forward. Uh, If it pauses to think about jumping out the gate, drive it more forward away from the gate. Change directions a lot, but never by the gate. Um, but, but you want to go through proper round pinning techniques until the horse begins to show some deference towards you and some interest in you. 
And as soon as he does, you're going to totally take the pressure off, turn away from the horse and let it rest. Just make sure you don't let it rest at the gate. Um, So as soon as he starts showing interest outside the round pen, put him back to work again. Only let him rest and leave him alone every time his focus comes back inside the pen and on you. Um, Accept the smallest improvements in this horse. Even if he just quits trying to leave, reward him and put him away. So it's going to get, this is not going to be an easy nut to crack, but, and it's probably going to take some time and some expertise. My round pin reasoning video uh, is available both streaming and DVD, and it shows you the proper step-by-step technique that you're going to go through in the round pin to the elicit the uh, proper response that you want, which that the horse joins up with you. Um, again, improper technique can really frustrate a horse to the boiling point. So make sure you're not the one causing his angst and um, good luck with this horse. Uh, again, it's almost guaranteed you've got some other issues of disobedience and compliance with this horse. So look at going back to basics and filling in some of those other holes as well. Our second question comes from Nancy via email. This one's also edited for clarity. My 15-year-old horse is very sensitive, reactive, and temperamental. He has come a long way, but will he ever be able to be a safe horse to be around? Or can this combination of traits be so strong or so ingrained that there is a point of no return? Wow, Nancy. I do not believe in point of no return. I believe you can always make a horse better. Horses of all ages and types and temperaments are fast learning animals and they can always learn uh, new things. So yes, I would say that you could reach a point with a horse where it has experienced so much trauma and or it's... um, its its reactive and temperamental behavior has been going on for so many years that is it is habitually ingrained in the horse, so retraining it becomes more difficult. But all horses can be trained, and no matter how sensitive and reactive they are. But I would be willing to go on a limb here and say that it is far easier to screw up a sensitive and reactive horse than it is a gentle and unreactive cold-blooded horse. Because these horses are fearful, they have a lot of anxiety, they are sensitive at a level that many people cannot come down to. In other words, you're constantly over-cueing them and over-stimulating them. So, um, but I want to point out that the most important thing I heard you say was that he has come a long way. And so that tells me that you're making progress with this horse. And can it be slow and can it be, you know, agonizingly long before you see improvement? Yes. Well, if you're seeing improvement, you're doing something right. So have a little faith. Have a little faith that things are going to turn around. A sensitive, reactive horse will never be appropriate for anyone other than a very confident and competent handler. They're never going to be a horse you're going to hoist your grandkids up or turn, you know, beginner riders loose with. But they can be perfectly manageable for people 
um, that are more appropriate to the level of the horse. So all horses are trainable. And by the way, no horse wants to feel anxious or be reactive. It's just the only way this horse knows how to react. So, you know, as I said, habitual behavior can become ingrained and then that is harder to overcome. Past trauma can be such that horses are damaged mentally and can, you know, have trigger points that that make them unsafe for people that don't understand their triggers. And then another area that is um, sadly a, a big problem with these types of horses is just bad training. So there's so many ways you can go wrong with hypersensitive horses and horses with a lot of anxiety, but I'll, I'll tell you a real common one. And, and that is when horses that are sensitive and reactive get punished or overcorrected for something they didn't know they did, or when that horse is trying to do something they think is the right thing to do and they get criticized or punished or attacked for it, that can be so damaging to a horse's psyche that it's hard to to get back from. And also, if horses are just, for instance, horses that are trained poorly and have a lot of anxiety can often become afraid of being afraid. And so they just kind of turn into a quivering mass of fear whenever they're being handled because they're afraid to do anything for fear they're going to do it wrong. And they're, they're afraid of the fear that's going to come when they do something wrong. So, um, yes, there can be a point of no return, but often, like the, the case I mentioned earlier, that horse turned his frustration to aggression, so he became dangerous. So when a horse's reactive behavior is becoming aggressive, we have to start weighing in the safety of the people around and other horses around them. Keep in mind that sometimes aggression can be a symptom of a medical problem or a hormonal problem. So these horses should always be thoroughly vetted. But from what you describe, I I don't think you're there. I don't think you're anywhere near a point of no return. Um, It may take a high level of competency and training to properly handle a horse like this. And the training may not carry over to other people. In other words, you can figure out a horse's triggers, you can teach him calm down cues, you can teach him better ways of acting, um, but that doesn't mean that that will carry over to another person. So therein lies the rub. When I have horses that have a lot of anxiety and are highly sensitive and overreactive, I'm generally going to treat that like a mental health problem and not as a training problem. So we start looking at ways to teach the horse to calm itself down. We teach it to lower the head. We teach lateral flexion. Um, We teach it bravery skills, curiosity skills. We do a lot of praising and rewarding of that horse to build confidence and courage. There are plenty of resources on my Academy website about all of this stuff. So be sure to check that out specifically to find out more information on how you can teach calm down cues to your horse and how you can help anxious and emotional horses. But I think you're on the right track with this horse. So just keep keep forging ahead. Our third question comes from Kim via email. She actually has two questions. And the first one is, what kind of training expectations are reasonable for an older horse? 
Well, I love how succinct your question is, but uh, I could have a little bit more information there. Like, how old are we talking? Are we talking geriatric or are we just talking about a middle-aged horse, say, say like 16? Because, you know, there's going to be physical limitations in older horses. I think it's important that as horses reach that middle age, like let's say 15, 16-year-old mark, that we start getting more frequent examinations from veterinarians if we're still riding the horse and want to uh, ensure the horse's longevity because that's when horses start developing middle-aged problems like arthritis and sore joints and stuff like that. And there are so many treatments and supplements available for these horses to help them in middle age. So definitely physical limitations are going to be a big consideration with older horses. And if we get them in good treatment early on, the longevity can be huge and we can prevent a lot of problems there. Horses never stop learning, but older horses are going to have habitual behavior and maybe more baggage. So sometimes we're dealing with these sorts of things. Um, if, if the horse's whole life, he's been able to get away with whatever, pulling at the gate or something, it's probably going to, you know, take a little bit more effort to break that habit. Herdbound issues become more prevalent for older horses. They're more determined to have the security of the herd around them as they get older. So we start having to work a little bit harder um, at independence and separation. Also, you should think about career changes for an older horse. You know, um, most horses, by the time they reach middle age, have already had a couple career changes, sometimes as many as three. I think it's important to be realistic and selfless when you're considering a career change for an older horse. You know, I, I really like to consider how much is this horse already given? And if like, like if this horse has already had two or three careers and now all of a sudden, you know, I've got it up my sleeve that I want to start, you know, doing reined cow horse and this horse, you know, has already done a lot of hard stuff. And, you know, that might be more appropriate for a younger horse. So be realistic and try to be selfless and not just think about your wants um, but what's reasonable for this horse given its age and given how much he's already given of himself uh, in, in other riding careers. Certainly manners, obedience, calmness, cooperation, compliance, these are all things I expect no matter the age of the horse and no matter how old they get. Um, um, keep in mind that one of the main reasons why horses end up at risk later in life is because they become increasingly difficult to handle or increasingly dangerous to handle. So I really want to make sure that horse um, ha is maintaining good manners, is safe, calm, and reliable, um, all of those things so that if he does wind up in, in a situation later in his life that he, he's safe and secure because he's wanted and he's pleasant to be around. So um, those are expectations that, that never change. I think mainly with the older horses, um, we have to be uh, reasonable about their physical limitations and we have to be ethical about, you know, starting a whole new career on a horse that's already given a lot to, to people. So uh, just keep those things in mind. And then Kim's next question was, how can I get my horse ready to carry a flag? And I know she's talking about the kind of flag that 
we would carry in a parade or at a rodeo or uh, the like. Um, sometimes drill teams have uh, flag carrying uh, components. So um, the honest truth is I've never really trained a horse for that because I've never really done it myself. And I think it's a fun thing to do. And I think it's a great little practical, somewhat practical um, training thing that you could do with your horse. I did have to carry a flag in a, in a competition. I did recently um, at a horse expo in front of a big audience and I was riding a horse I'd never ridden before, but they assured me that this horse had carried many, many flags. Problem was I had not. And so I was kind of fumbling around with that flag. It was actually a lot harder to do than I thought it would be um, because I was going at a dead run all the way around the arena. So it was like flag was kind of dragging me around. But um, and the horse jumped around a little bit because I was fumbling to get it in the holder. But once we went started going, he, he was all business. But I here's what I would do. I, I would just I would relish the opportunity to train a horse to carry a flag. And I think it would be fun. And I'll tell you exactly what I'd do. First, I'd break it down in the smallest possible components and then desensitize each one of those components. And I, since I have done so little of that myself, I might have to learn how to do it myself before I break it down. But I would think, um, you know, first, maybe do something like uh, just get used to waving that flag, you know, showing the flag from the ground, wave it in front of him, wave it on the sides, wave it behind him, wave it overhead, you know, show it to him first furled up, then unfurled. I would then um, ride behind and beside someone else that was carrying a flag on a horse and let the horse see it from that point of view, let the horse get used to being around uh, next to a horse carrying a flag. Um, I'd probably take the flag off the rod and get used to just carrying the rod, moving it around, sticking it in the holder, kind of, you know, there might be times when you accidentally tap the horse or touch the horse with that um, flag stick. So I'd want to make sure, you know, anything that might happen inadvertently, the horse is used to ahead of time. Um, I would have someone walk alongside, I would get on the horse and ride the horse while someone else walked alongside carrying the flag at a walk, kind of in the position it would be carrying it. Um, and, and then I would start introducing me carrying the flag. First, I might have someone leading the horse at a walk for me. I would stop and pet and praise and relax the horse anytime I felt it getting tense. And then I would just gradually um, lose the person at the head, gradually start adding speed. So the more you can break it down and train and desensitize those smallest components, the better. Um, but I don't think you'll have much trouble. This is a fun activity. And as long as you take your time, and show the horse every possible angle and corner of it little by little, um, it should go just fine. Well, that's all the questions we have time for today. I love sharing my horse care and training experience with you, and I appreciate all your feedbacks, your suggestions, and your questions. I'd love to hear what topics interest you the most. So if you have questions for What the Hay or podcast topics you'd like me to address, please message me on Facebook at Julie Goodnight 
or email podcast at juliegoodnight.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe and invite your equestrian friends to join us. Ride On with Julie Goodnight is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to check out my online membership programs. You'll find the solutions you need when you need them. With my library membership, you'll have access to my full training library with hundreds of videos, full episodes of the TV show, audios, and articles. You can also enroll in my Build Your Confidence with Horses short course or get online coaching from me with my Interactive Academy membership. I'll help you assess where you and your horse are now so you can move forward with a structured 12-month training plan and personalized coaching from me at every step of the way. Just go to juliegoodnight.com join and start your ride. Next month on my podcast, I'll be joined by my dear friend and colleague, T. Cody, who will be assisting me on my trip to Ireland this month. So we'll have some great stories to share about our horsemanship clinic in Ireland. And we'll be discussing foundational training for green horses and how to build a strong relationship with a new horse. So please join us. No matter where you are in your horsemanship journey, whether you're new to horses or an old hand, whether you're training a green horse or refining your upper level skills, I hope you found some helpful information here to make your horse life better. Thanks again for your insightful comments and for the five-star ratings. It helps more horse lovers like you and me find this podcast. I'm Julie Goodnight. Thanks for listening and please stay safe and enjoy the ride.